July 5th. As we look into the New Testament, today we'll be reading from the book of Acts, chapter 23, verses 11 through 35. And we'll be reading about opportunity. Paul's nephew lived in the city, and by the providence of God, he discovered the Jewish plot. Only the Lord could have worked that out. We don't know the details. We never know what friend or relative God will use to help us. And we'll read about authority. Paul had the protection of 472 Roman soldiers, and the entire authority of the government was behind him. The Romans did not give Paul a fair hearing, but God still used them to protect Paul and get him to Rome because that was God's ultimate plan to get Paul to Rome. Well, let's see how the story unfolds as we begin our reading today in the New Testament. July 5th, Acts chapter 23, verses 11 through 35. That night, the Lord appeared to Paul and said, Be encouraged, Paul. Just as you have told the people about me here in Jerusalem, you must preach the good news in Rome. The next morning, a group of Jews got together and bound themselves with an oath to neither eat nor drink until they had killed Paul. There were more than forty of them. They went to the leading priests and other leaders and told them what they had done. We have bound ourselves under oath to neither eat nor drink until we have killed Paul. You and the high council should tell the commander to bring Paul back to the council again, they requested. Pretend you want to examine his case more fully. We will kill him on the way. But Paul's nephew heard of their plan and went to the fortress and told Paul. Paul called one of the officers and said, Take this young man to the commander. He has something important to tell him. So the officer did, explaining, Paul the prisoner called me over and asked me to bring this young man to you because he has something to tell you. The commander took him by the arm, led him aside, and asked, What is it you want to tell me? Paul's nephew told him, Some Jews are going to ask you to bring Paul before the Jewish high council tomorrow, pretending they want to get some more information. But don't do it. There are more than forty men hiding along the way, ready to jump and kill him. They have vowed not to eat or drink until they kill him. They are ready. "'expecting you to agree to their request. "'Don't let a soul know you told me this,' "'the commander warned the young man as he sent him away. "'Then the commander called two of his officers and ordered, "'Get two hundred soldiers ready to leave for Caesarea at nine o'clock tonight. "'Also take two hundred spearmen and seventy horsemen. "'Provide horses for Paul to ride "'and get him safely to Governor Felix. "'Then he wrote this letter to the governor. From Claudius Lysias to His Excellency Governor Felix, Greetings! This man was seized by some Jews, and they were about to kill him when I arrived with the troops. When I learned that he was a Roman citizen, I removed him to safety. Then I took him to their high council to try to find out what he had done. I soon discovered it was something regarding their religious law, certainly nothing worthy of imprisonment or death. But when I was informed of a plot to kill him, I immediately sent him on to you. I have told his accusers to bring their charges before you. 
So that night, as ordered, the soldiers took Paul as far as Antipatras. They returned to the fortress the next morning, while the horsemen took him on to Caesarea. When they arrived in Caesarea, they presented Paul and the letter to Governor Felix. He read it, and then asked Paul what province he was from. Cilicia, Paul answered. I will hear your case myself when your accusers arrive, the governor told him. Then the governor ordered him kept in the prison at Herod's headquarters. Does God help those who ask for help because they believe in him, but don't believe everything they're supposed to, and especially don't believe in the forgiveness of sins? This is a question which has to do with why God hears our prayers. God hears our prayers. He answers them. He deals with us graciously because of Christ and Christ alone. God is good and gracious to us because of Christ alone. God doesn't treat us as our sins deserve because of Christ and Christ alone. God doesn't harbor anger at our sins because of Christ and Christ alone. We are holy because of Christ. And in Christ, He hears and answers our prayers. Or, if we're sort of sticking with the theme, because of Christ and Christ alone, God hears and answers our prayers. My friend doesn't believe that, Pastor. Well, we don't believe it either. That's why we bargain with God and, and despair and wonder why God doesn't or hasn't answered the prayers that we prayed the way we want Him to answer. Wouldn't it be great if He answered all our prayers the way we want Him to answer? He'd be a good God then. Hmm. Yeah, repent of that. The fact is that none of us believe everything we're supposed to, especially when it comes to the forgiveness of sins. If perfect believing were a prerequisite for getting our prayers answered, we'd all be in a lot of trouble. You see, because that has to do with us. Jesus says, if we even had the faith of the smallest seed, a super small seed like a mustard seed, we could move mountains. That's not an invitation for us to work up some faith. No, it's a simple statement of fact. Mountains aren't moving because no one, not a single person, believes how good, how merciful, how wonderful the Father is to us in Christ. The, the large catechism says, God is like an eternal fountain that gushes forth more and more of all that is and could be called good. That's pretty good. And there was one person who truly believed that and truly believed that God the Father heard all his prayers. Even the prayer, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And that's Jesus. He has enough faith for the both of us. And because of his believing in his holy life, God hears all our prayers. Your prayers, my prayers, and even your friend's prayers who doesn't believe all that he should believe. Which makes this a great week for this question. We're beginning the season of Advent in church, a time of preparation for the coming of our Savior. It's a time to clean up and repent of basing anything about our salvation or how God is good and gracious to us or even how he hears our prayers upon us. Time to repent about the myths of prayer, all the myths of prayer. God doesn't hear and answer our prayers because of anything which pertains to us. He doesn't answer because of how much we believe. He doesn't answer because how many people we have praying for us. That's bad business for prayer chains, but it's true. God doesn't answer our prayers because of how much we pray or how, who we get to pray. Like getting pastor to pray is more than important than getting just, you know, your friend to pray for you. All those answers and all those myths direct the attention of prayer 
to us and what we're doing. Jesus is coming into the manger on Christmas. That's why the Father can't get enough of our prayers. That's why the Father sits on the edge of his seat waiting to shower on us good and more good. In fact, when it comes to gift giving, Santa ain't got nothing on your Heavenly Father. Because of Jesus, heaven itself opens up and rains salvation. That's later in Advent, but it's still true. Jolly old St. Nicholas got a bunch of L's. Jesus, he's got salvation. The Lord's gifts, his word and his sacraments enliven our prayers. They give us the words to pray and it delivers to us the very faith that trusts that no matter what happens in this world, no matter what the answer from God, God is going to be good to us despite us and how much we trust him and how much we believe in him. He's going to answer us. He's going to answer us because Jesus came into the manger Christmas and went onto the cross and then rose again on the third day. And soon, the same Jesus who lived and died and rose for us will answer our prayers and come again with glory to take us from this place to be with him forever. And on that day, we'll truly believe, you, me, and your friend too, we'll all believe how good and gracious the Father is to us in Christ. And we'll see all the prayers that he answered for us, all the prayers that he answered solely by his grace. So tell your friend that good news. He needs to hear it. I need to hear it too. You do too. Today we're reading from Psalm chapter 3, verses 1 through 8. If worry keeps you from getting a good night's sleep... Well, Psalms 3 and 4 are what you need. Both Psalms were probably written when David was exiled from Jerusalem because his son Absalom had stolen the kingdom. How was David able to sleep when he was in such danger? The enemy was against him, but David knew that God was for him. How about you? Do you know that deep down in your heart? Do you have that kind of relationship with the Lord? Do you know that God is for you? God surrounds you, He sustains you, and He saves you continually. When people discourage you, God lifts up your head and keeps you going. Did you know that God never sleeps? I mean, we accept that intellectually, but when you really begin to think about that fact, it is mind-blowing. God lives in the eternal now, never sleeps. So uh, why should you stay awake and worry? Trust the Lord. He's in control. If you can't sleep, don't count sheep. Talk to the shepherd. Psalm 3, verses 1 through 8. A Psalm of David, regarding the time David fled from his son Absalom. O Lord, I have so many enemies. So many are against me. So many are saying, God will never rescue him. But you, O Lord, are a shield around me, my glory, and the one who lifts my head high. I cried out to the Lord, and he answered me from his holy mountain. I lay down and slept. I woke up in safety, for the Lord was watching over me. I am not afraid of ten thousand enemies who surround me on every side. Arise, O Lord, rescue me, my God. Slap all my enemies in the face. Shatter the teeth of the wicked. Victory comes from you, O Lord. May your blessings rest on your people. Proverbs 18, 
verses 14 and 15. The human spirit can endure a sick body, but who can bear it if the spirit is crushed? Intelligent people are always open to new ideas. In fact, they look for them.